we looked at verses uh, just one and two, actually, which echoed uh, the foundational verse of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, this Anyabi Lashita Shunyang, Yanar Kamarad Yanavritam, Anukulyena Krishnanu Shilanam Bhaktir Uttama, this famous verse that defines what pure bhakti is about, you know, what our goal is really. Uh, and so that, of course, the highest bhakti uh, is being defined uh, as um, continuous, it's continuous service or emotions um, directed towards Krishna, also to his expansion forms and others related to him. And with a pleasing attitude uh, towards Krishna, this is an important point often brought out, there's a pleasing attitude towards Krishna. And it should be devoid of desires other than the desire to please the Lord. So it's unobstructed by impersonal jnana, uh, the materialistic rituals of karma, or even other unfavorable acts like that. The desire is only the desire to please the Lord. And of course, we're in the school of that. We might not fully encompass that verse ourselves, but you know that's what we, we should be aspiring for if we're in this school. So, um, so we went into that a little bit. So you can check out the last class on the YouTube channel if you'd like to review that. But this time, we're going to continue with verses um, three to seven, uh, which to my eyes, it looks at things to give up and things to focus on. So just like we have this concept in Sharanagati uh, or the limbs of surrender, we see this concept of accepting those things favorable to bhakti and rejecting those things unfavorable. Um, so before we go into that some more, we won't read the whole song, so whole song two, as we did last time, um, because we did it last time. So uh, for today, we're just going to read the verses uh, that we're going to focus on today and their translation. Excuse me. So, so from verse three to seven. Asat sangati sada tiaga koro anyagita karmingyani parihari dure. Kevala bakata sanga prema bhakti rasaranga lila katavraja rasapure. Give up the bad association of the karmis and jnanis from a distance. Give up attraction to non devotional songs. Only associate with the devotees. Take pleasure in hearing the nectar descriptions of pure love for Krishna. Become flooded by the nectar of the narrations of the Lord's pastimes in Vraj. Yoginyasi karminyani anyadeva pujakadhyani ihaloka dure parihari dharma karma dukha shoka yebathake anya yoga chadibhajogiri varadhari. Please give up the association of the yogis, sannyasis, karmis, jnanis, meditators, and the worshippers of the demigods. Also, abandon attachment for all varieties of fruitive activities, religious duties, the other yogas, distresses, lamentations, and material objects. Just worship Krishna, Lord Giridhari, the lifter of Govardhan Hill. Tirtha yatra parishrama kevala manera brahma sarva siddhi govinda charana sudrita vishvasa kori madamatsarya parihari sadakoro ananya bhajana. The struggle to travel to various holy pilgrimage places is simply the mind's mistake, a waste of energy born from illusion, because to make spiritual advancement, all one actually needs is the lotus feet of Lord Govinda. They are the perfection of one's life, abandoning pride and envy, and with firm faith and determination in your heart, 
always worship Lord Govinda without deviation. Krishna Bhakta Angaheri, Krishna Bhakta Sangakori, Shradhanvita Shravana Kirtana, Archana Smarana Dhyana, Navabhakti Mahagnana, E Bhakti Paramakarana. See the devotees of Lord Krishna, associate with the devotees of Lord Krishna, faithfully engage in the ninefold process of devotional service, which includes hearing about the Lord, chanting his glories, worshipping him, offering obeisances to him, and remembering him. Following these activities enlightens the devotees with spiritual knowledge. It is the best process of devotional service. Rishi ke govinda seva na pujibo devi deva eto ananya bhakti katha arayoto upalamba vishesha sakalidamba dekite lagaye bodovyata I shall use these senses to serve Lord Govinda, and I shall decline to worship the various demigods and demigoddesses. I shall only speak about pure devotional service. The numberless different philosophies and conceptions of life are all products of the conditioned soul's pride. Trying to understand them brings no real benefit, but only a pain within the mind. So, I mean, even with just these few verses alone, um, there's so much you can speak about. So we'll, we're going to try and focus uh, in, in this session. But before we look at some of the um, specific concepts that are brought out by Srila Narutam Das Thakur, it strikes me that these verses, like I, I said earlier on, they seem to go nicely with two of the concepts of Sharanagati, the accepting the favorable and rejecting the unfavorable things for our bhakti practice. Our, our Guru Maharaj, he often says that the stage of sadhana, especially the early stages, is mainly focused on developing this stage of sharanagati or surrender, because it's this stage on which Krishna Prema can manifest. So we'll develop genuine longing. We often hear we should long to go to Vrindavan and these kind of things, but to develop genuine longing uh, in the way spoken about to enter the Leela of Krishna, um, really we have to have firmly established Sharanagati in our hearts. And, and then this usually starts, uh, this longing, if you will, is usually described to start from the stage of Ruchi or taste. And so we see Krishna, he even concludes the Bhagavad Gita with this call for Sharanagati or surrender. And it's said that this is the key to really enter the Bhagavatam on a substantial level. So we see the Bhagavatam as non-different from Krishna. And so to really enter the Bhagavatam on a substantial level, uh, which is, of course, our core text, Sharanagati needs to be there. Some, sometimes um, there's one nice definition I, I've heard our Guru Maharaj um, use for Sharanagati, that it is this spirit of the resolve uh, to make spiritual progress in exclusive devotion to Krishna, that we we you know even if we we may not be there right now, but we've got this resolve uh, that you know I want exclusive devotion to Krishna and this spirit you could say Sharanagati also, um, but obviously there's a lot more to it than that, which hopefully we'll discuss some of today, um, and we find that even in the Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam uh, begins with this theme uh, in the second verse, uh, when you may remember this line about completely rejecting all religious activities that are materially motivated. Um, so this Bhagavad Purana propounds the highest truth, which is understandable by those devotees who are fully pure in heart. 
So Sharanagati uh, is resigning oneself to a life of devotion. And of course, the journey of starting the process of surrender and having it fully established in the heart, that does take time. Uh, I'm sure most of us uh, are in that process at the moment. But by hearing and chanting and having this resolve, we, we cleanse the heart of previous impressions that push us towards anything other than pure devotion. And although I, I mentioned how longing to enter the Leela really takes place when Sharanagati is established, we do still have some longing along the way. Um, but uh, generally, it, it comes out or, or should come out in a, in a healthy spiritual life as longing for Sharanagati. You know, we should know what we're aspiring for. Um, there's a beautiful line in a song by our Guru Maharaj um, that expresses some of this. I'm sure, every, I know at least everyone on the call is familiar with it, but those watching YouTube also, some of you may be familiar with it. We often sing it at the Polish retreats, and I've heard it's also sung at Audaria, um, this song about Mahaprabhu called um, Gora Mangala Mahima. Uh, the one that starts, Dinamani Naudite Mile Bhaktagana. So at the start of the last verse of that song, uh, we sing, um, Satya Kori Magiyami Sukomala Prana Tava Priti Bine Prabhu Nachahibo Ana. So Guru Maharaj, he sometimes rendered this as, Oh, when can I truthfully say, with a tender, purified heart that I want nothing other than Mahaprabhu. So this is a really nice mood uh, and a mood that we want to develop. We, you know, we pray to actually be able to say in truth with no taste for anything in this world, but only longing for love to, lo to love him. We're only longing for that kind of love, just as we find Mahaprabhu himself express in the verse associated with Ruchi, the fourth verse of Shikshashtakam. And so there's also a nice prayer in this regard uh, by uh, Sri Yamunacharya. Um, he, he's a saint in the Sri Sampradaya who Srila Prabhupada sometimes quotes. And it also expresses this earnest aspiration to achieve perfection in devotional service. Um, so he says, when will I bloom in a life of servitude as your eternal devotee? my heart pacified due to all other desires being consumed by engagement in your uninterrupted service. I find that, that's such a beautiful prayer, eh? that my, my heart pacified due to all other desires being consumed by engagement in your uninterrupted service. So this is, this is a kind of longing that we can have if we know myself, I can put my hands up, you know, distracted by other things at times in the world and these things. To long for that is a very beautiful longing. And so, you know, Sharanagati, this is an affair of the heart. It's not a mechanical thing just by going through the motions of bhakti and these kind of things. Uh, so we soften our heart through the devotional practices like chanting, but also serving under the guidance of advanced Vaishnavas and so on. And this is how we how we develop real feeling for Krishna and not just collect information about him. Often we're warned about that, right? Not just collecting information about Krishna, but to develop real feeling for Krishna um, because it's easily done that we can just collect the info. So without the spirit of surrender, bhakti becomes more mechanical and can even feel lifeless. 
So there's a nice, um, there was a nice question asked about this, um, asked about surrender in a Sangha a while back. And so there, our Guru Maharaj wrote, the basic idea of surrender in the Gita, Sarva Dharmam Parityajya, is to give up socio-religious pursuits, dharma, including the worship of any demigod or demigoddess, and serve only Krishna. Krishna calls on us to serve him alone. Faith that by doing so, one is relieved of any of the duties, both religious and secular, amounts to eligibility for treading the path of bhakti. In this sense, bhakti proceeds from sharanagati. As we engage in the practices of bhakti under the care of a guru, such as hearing, chanting, and remembering, we acquire both theoretical and practical knowledge of spirituality. Sharanagati intensifies and our taste for hearing and chanting increases. Thus, our concern should be twofold. We should take exclusive shelter of Krishna, foregoing all other spiritual practices, and we should begin a guru-guided life of hearing and chanting, evaluating our progress by the extent to which our interest in hearing and chanting is increasing. Sharanagatas will feel themselves making progress daily. If you do not feel like this, you have to do whatever it takes to focus your mind and give your heart to your Nam Japa, Mantra, and Kirtan. Nam and Mantra are the real gifts of Sri Guru. Use them wisely. They are your real wealth. So, it's natural, though we will get distracted at times uh, by material desires in the early stages of our practice. But yoga is said to be about artfully controlling and overcoming them uh, by dovetailing initially and ultimately transcending them. And as we advance, we may even start to see more of our attachments to the world that we didn't see so obviously before. And this is where Sharanagati comes in for the beginner. We, we aim to retire those things that are unfavorable and accept those things favorable for spiritual progress. So this starts to lay the foundation that we need. And this is a practice, of course, to make Krishna's service more of a priority over the demands of the mind and senses. Uh, that, like I say, they're said to be the first steps on the path of Sharanagati to reject the unfavorable, accept the favorable, or disregarding what the mind and senses tell us is favorable or unfavorable. We, we saw uh, in the first song of Srila Narutam, he, when he put the emphasis, he put the emphasis on guru, but he also put the emphasis on sadhu and shastra. He put emphasis on these three things, uh, guru, sadhu, shastra, to be the, the guiding light as to what is favorable and what is not. So it may be an ongoing struggle in the beginning, but we need determination to keep trying for this. And this is, this is an important thing we'll see come up later also, this determination to keep trying for it, to keep trying to retire habits and thoughts that aren't conducive to progress, even if we fail at times. And this, this determination to do so is the heart of spiritual practice for the beginners, to keep trying to retire, retire these things. And so by serving Sri Guru and the Vaishnavas and staying in good company or Sadhu Sangha, this will be very conducive to helping us in this direction to, to make spiritual progress. 
There are, of course, uh, four other limbs to the body of Sharanagati or surrender, aside from um, developing this promise within ourselves, if you will, to do everything favorable and give up everything unfavorable to devotion. So you, you, I'm sure you're all familiar with them, but we have confidence that Krishna will protect us as he desires. That is, we don't look elsewhere for protection. We consider Krishna to be our maintainer, uh, ha having dependence on him. We try to embrace humility and we submit ourselves fully to Krishna, uh, embracing this sense that we're owned heart and soul by Krishna is the way it's sometimes put. So, so much can be said on those, those limbs as well. But for now, just to bring us back to what we're mainly focusing on today, uh, looking at these verses of Srila Narutam Das Thakur, we'll focus on accepting the favorable and rejecting the unfavorable. But Sharanagati as a whole is something we should think about and meditate on often and, and try to apply in our lives and in even our, uh, both our, you know, the duties we have of the world, but also our, our spiritual practices too, so they don't become just a mechanical thing and so on. Uh, Guru Maharaj, he gave a nice series recently in North Carolina. So you can see that on the YouTube channel. And in that context, he also recommended this beautiful book uh, by Srila Bhakti Rakshak Sridadev Goswami called um, Sri Sri Prapana Jivanamrita, Jivanamritam, sorry, or The Life Nectar of the Surrendered Souls. Um, another title is Positive or Progressive Immortality. Uh, it's this book, if you've ever seen this one. Um, it's very beautiful. It contains many beautiful verses uh, corresponding with different limbs of surrender. And I recently read it, and the meditations in there are really beautiful and inspiring, and they help push our longing for Sharanagati. So we're going to read some of these verses today from the two limbs that we're discussing in, in, in connection with what Srila Narutam Das Thakur brings out in the verses that we sang earlier. So... Going back to the song, in his song, Srila Narutam, he says, give up bad association. <laughs> so we want the kind of association that will encourage us in our pursuit of pure bhakti. We don't want it to be mixed. So if someone leans more toward karma or jnana, they're probably not going to be able to help us in our cultivation of our cherished goal. It doesn't mean that we can't have friends from all walks of life. Sometimes, you know, people read into these verses and they think, oh, it's so culty. You just, you know, <laughs> you want to reject everyone and just be with devotees and so on. But that's not really the, the essence of, of what this means. Like I say, you know, K Krishna is friends with everyone, actually, you know, so we can have friends from all walks of life. But we should be careful about what we take into our hearts, what we allow to influence us. So association of those opposed to our spiritual values and our aspirations, this can disturb the mind and stop the one-pointedness that we're aspiring for. So Srila Narutam, thankfully, he tells us where we should fix our focus. He says, on the nectar descriptions of pure love for Krishna, especially those narrations of the Lord's pastimes in Vraj. This serves to purify us but also as we become attached to those descriptions and the advanced devotees who are sharing them with us, um, this kind of attachment is most beneficial for advancing. Sangha means attachment. So it's very beautiful actually. Uh, and we see with them in relation to what we we're just speaking about, we see with the Madhyam Adhikari that there is discrimination in who they associate with. 
But it's not that they close themselves off from everybody who isn't a devotee, but rather they avoid the association of those who are envious. So most people are innocent uh, when it comes to Krishna Bhakti, really. So it may be to their benefit even to have our association if we're able to show a good example of how Bhakti is working for us, changing us for the better. But it means associating on our terms, you know, not, not theirs. Because um, it's, it's not a bad thing, actually, to want one's life to be more and more associated, mainly with those who are seeking this same beautiful goal. Um, there's a beautiful prayer uh, by King uh, Kula Shekhar uh, that shows this resolve to reject everything unfavorable by, by means of all the senses. So this is a, a verse also found in this book I mentioned. So it goes as follows. O Madhava, let me not see the unvirtuous persons who are devoid of devotion for your lotus feet. And let me not hear the narratives which do not describe your divine personality. O Lord of the universe, may I never have any contact with those bereft of faith in you. And moreover, lifetime after lifetime, may I never be without the company of your associates who are devoted to your loving service. So Srila Narutam, he goes on to specify more people and other things to avoid the association of. He says, to avoid being attached to, um, in our minds, you know, things to not avoid, sorry, things to avoid being attached to in our minds so that our minds and our hearts are fixed on what will be most beneficial for us. So he says, give up the yogis, sannyasis, jnanis, meditators, and demigod worshippers. And what I found interesting about that is that all the people mentioned have some spiritual or religious leaning. But as the goal is not prema bhakti, we don't want to imbibe that same value system. It doesn't mean they're bad or demons, you know, these kind of things that sometimes can come up with, unfortunately, in a, a, a fanatical mind, if you will. Actually, some of these people mentioned by Srila Narutam, they may be more, more moral or even more transcendentally situated in one sense, in terms of uh, the Atma, than we are in our current position on the spiritual path. But again, what we are aspiring for, though, what we've been touched by, will not be helped by any of these things independent of Bhakti herself. So we don't want our compass that points to Goloka to be swayed, as, as can be easily done when we aren't firm or fixed in our own practice. And so we're, we're all limited, we're all finite, and we can only give so much mental energy or space to any one thing. I'm sure we've all experienced that many, many times. So why let that be diluted? And so this is one of the points Srila Narutam Das Thakur also is making. You're, don't let that be diluted. Focus on what your, your goal is. And so Srila Narutam, he goes further though, and he says, give up attachment for our own fruitive activities, religious duties, the other yogas, and also distresses, lamentations, and material objects. And I, I, I love this concept because... We all know how happiness and distress come and go in this world, usually uninvited, but, but of their own accord. But even with, with distress, we can get quite absorbed to a point that that is where our mind keeps taking us back to again and again, and not always in a productive way. 
And sure, we may have moments in our lives, I'm sure we all do, we have very good reason to mourn or lament at sad situations. And also we need time to process them in a healthy way. But there is a, is a fine line between the healthy process needed and becoming obsessed to the point of forgetting the bigger picture. So Narottam advises, just worship Lord Giridhari, the lifter of Govardhan Hill. So if you think of that pastime, you know, the people of Raj, they had every reason to lament that their whole village was getting flooded to the max, their home being destroyed by the rains of Indra. But even in the midst of that, underneath this shelter of Govardhan, the Vrajvasis were totally happy and secure being in the presence of Krishna. So whether we're experiencing happiness or distress from our material situations, there's never any loss in taking shelter of Krishna by hearing about him or singing about him. So some more beautiful prayers that, that highlight this concept from Sri Sri Prapanajivan Amritam. Uh, so the first one is, uh, I think, from the Padma Purana, uh, but it's by Srila Vyasadev. And so Srila Sridhar Maharaj, he, he, he uh, introduces this saying, the fundamental objective is to maintain constant remembrance of Sri Hari in every time, place, and circumstance. And so the, um, the verse by Vyasadeva, if persons engaged in the devotional service of Lord Hari are unable to obtain food and shelter despite their attempts, or if their acquisitions are lost or destroyed, they should, without anxiety, absorb their hearts deeply in the thought of Lord Hari. Then the next verse, a uh, famous verse um, from the Bhagavatam, Lord Brahma. I'm sure you're all familiar with it, but I particularly like this rendering of it um, in, in, in this book uh, of, uh, to, to describe um, trying to see the grace of the Lord in every situation. So one who, in the hope of achieving your grace, goes on enduring the inauspicious fruit of his own karma and passes his days practicing devotion unto you in every thought, word, and deed. Such a person is heir to the land of freedom. He attains to the plane of positive immortality. So Srila Narutam, he emphasizes the need for the shelter of the feet of Lord Govinda above all other things, even religious acts. And this is accepting the favorable. And he also mentions abandoning pride and envy. In his commentary, Srila Vishwanath Chakravadi Thakur, he defines uh, matsarya as the inability to tolerate someone else's superiority. And it's something we need to be careful of, as we'll see later on in the songbook. If we, if we come to the, uh, I think it's the next song, actually. Um, uh, it, it, it's the only bad quality. No, actually, no, it's in this song. Sorry, it's a, it's a few verses later in this song. Um, but Matsarya or, or envy, it's the only bad quality that can't be engaged in bhakti. Uh, and Srila Narutam will share ways that other bad qualities, such as even anger and greed, can be dovetailed. But he doesn't include Matsarya there. And so um, I, I recently was reading a really nice essay uh, by Srila Bhaktis Danta Saraswati Thakur, uh, and it's highly recommended. Uh, it's titled e Ekalavya and Arjuna. And it speaks of Ekalavya and how, um, although he seemed devoted to, to Guru, 
actually he wasn't really connected. Um, and mainly one of the one of the points also is he had envy of Arjuna's position. He wanted to be the best uh, best archer and like this. And there's so many nice points. I mean, you could do classes on this essay alone uh, in relation to avoiding envy and taking real shelter of a Vaishnav because accepting the favorable is also accepting the shelter of Guru and the Vaishnavs and rejecting them is unfavorable. And sometimes this can be subtle. So I'll, I'll read a few quotes from there that, that kind of tie in nicely with some of these themes we're discussing and Narutam Das Thakur brings out. So because Ekalavya possessed a low-class mentality, the Acharya refused to initiate him in the teachings of the Dhanur Veda. However, Ekalavya was determined to learn the martial arts from Dronacharya and went off into the forest. There he constructed an idol of Dronacharya made of clay, and by continuously practicing in front of that artificial guru, he became very expert in Astravidya. Now, before I go on with some other quotes, I find it really interesting in, in today's Gaudiya world and very relevant because we see so many examples of devotees being ruled by the mind and even seeming to themselves what to speak of others to take shelter of what they construe to be the guru. Uh, the perfect example that comes to my mind is the Ritvik movement, which is, of course, coming in modern times. It's a good example of that, you know, ju to just take shelter of Prabhupada. And you could say like a murti of Prabhupada is, is um, formed in the mind, if you will. But to what extent is a person really taking shelter of Sri Guru? And to what extent is it the shelter of one's mind? And it's not that nothing good can come, if someone is sincere, I, I, I myself came to Krishna consciousness by someone who really was taking shelter of their own mind. As uh, We eventually saw in due course of time that they eventually rejected Srila Prabhupada altogether, their guru. But, but in the context of Uttama Bhakti, we should know that the current doesn't flow there, actually, in, in, in the way that we really want it to be. Uh, it happens in many ways, thinking that we're serving the Guru. And this is why Sadhu Sangha is so important. So Srila Bhakti Siddhanta continues, What was Ekalavya's fault? This analysis is essential. He wore the mask of Guru Bhakti, yet he was actually inimical towards his Guru. Whether his Guru actually considered Ekalavya to be disqualified by his low birth, or was simply testing him, wherever the reason may be, when his Gurudev did not wish to teach him the science of warfare, it was Ekalavya's duty to accept his Guru's instruction upon his head. But Ekalavya did not accept that. He had the aspiration to become great. Externally, without a Guru, his practices would not have been considered lawful, or he would not be in a favorable position to become great without accepting a Guru. To this end, Ekalavya concocted a clay form of his guru. He only did this to attain greatness by learning the Dhanurveda. In this way, his main intention was to satisfy his own senses. He did not offer himself as a sacrifice to his guru's desire, and his own intentions were not sincere. Some may say that ultimately, Ekalavya happily accepted the heartless order of his guru without protest. But if we consider this topic deeply and with keen discernment, we can observe that Ekalavya considered mundane morality to be superior to transcendental devotion. 
When the guru requests something to be given as dakshin, then one must offer it to him. It was that sense of morality that inspired him to cut off his thumb. Ekalavya did not offer it with spontaneous devotion. The very nature of bhakti is that it is spontaneous and simple. If Ekalavya had unmotivated and natural devotion within his heart towards Hari, Guru, and Vaishnav, then the Guru, Dronacharya, the best of Vaishnavs, Arjuna, and Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, would not have been displeased with his behavior. Ekalavya's attempt to learn the Dhanurveda and his hankering to become great were not accepted by his Gurudev. Deep within Ekalavya's heart, he desired to try and become greater than Arjun, the best of Vaishnavs. The aspiration to become greater than the Vaishnavs is not devotion. It is anti-devotional, and it is the dharma of the Ativadis. According to worldly considerations, the desire to become great is regarded as good. But the effort to take a subordinate position behind a Vaishnav and the attempt to take shelter of a Vaishnav, that is bhakti. And then later, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur concludes, Thus, we should never attempt to become greater than the Vaishnavs. If we do not wear a mask of Guru Bhakti, we will never become impersonalists. This is what the pure devotees have taught in relation to the narrative of Ekalavya. Expertise in performing mundane activities is not Guru Bhakti. Taking shelter of the Vaishnavs is actually true devotion. If you'd like to read the whole essay, it's quite short. The title is Ekalavya and Arjuna. Um, you can Google it or reach out to me and I'll send it. Many nice points in there for us to be aware of. Because sometimes we can deceive ourselves that what we're doing is surrender, but actually it's following the whims of the mind according to what we want to achieve rather than what Guru and God want to achieve. So we start to love the gift because everything can come from even a touch of bhakti. But we forget the giver and our service to those great personalities through whom anything that we have to share has come. So bhakti is very subtle and pure bhakti even subtler. So without good guidance, it can be easy to mistake so many things for bhakti. And this is why good sadhu sangha is so important and why it's been emphasized a lot also. And there are some beautiful prayers regarding sadhu sangha in uh, Sri Sri Prapanajivanamritam. Uh, in this chapter on accepting the favorable. Uh, so I picked a couple of my favorites. Um, so Srila Shri Maharaj says, only by the association of pure devotees, sadhu sangha, is everything happily achieved. And so then there's a quote from Shanaka Rishi. The attainment of heaven or liberation cannot even slightly compare with the immeasurable fortune gained by the association of an associate of the Supreme Lord. What then can be said of the petty dominion and assets of mortal men? And then Srila Sridhar Maharaj says, of all sadhu sangha, the foremost is the service of the lotus feet of the bona fide spiritual master or sadguru. And so then the verse um, is by Sri Prabuddha, uh, one of the nine Yogendras uh, in the 11th canto speaking to King Nimi. Uh, so he, the verse says, Thus a person in search of the ultimate good should surrender to the Guru who knows well the Vedic scriptures, Shabda Brahman, and the Supreme Absolute Lord, Parabrahman, 
and for whom the mundane world holds no charm whatsoever. In the next verse, uh, at the lotus feet of that Sadguru, divine relationship, practice, and objective, or Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan are all achieved. Uh, that, that was Srila Sridhar Maharaj. And then the verse, those divine practices of pure devotional service that please the self-giving Sri Hari, who gives himself to his devotees, will be learned by continuously serving such a guru with full sincerity, knowing him to be one's dear most well-wishing friend and the supremely worshipful embodiment of Sri Hari. And then the last verse I wanted to quote from there is actually one of my favorites. It's very beautiful. So Srila Sridhar Maharaj, he says that uh, this represents devotional service rendered to the devotee uh, to, to, it bestows the highest fruit. And so this is also by King Kula Shekara. Uh, so this, this uh, verse, O Supreme Lord of all beings, O slayer of the demons, Madhu and Kaitava, this is the purpose of my life. This is my prayer. And this is your grace that you will remember me as your servant, a servant of a servant of a Vaishnav, a servant of a servant of such a servant of a servant of a Vaishnav, and a servant of a servant of a servant of a servant of a Vaishnav servant servant. <laughs> so really beautiful verse. Um, but it really like expresses that humility as well. And we're the kind of attitude that we want to develop, you know, in, in our practice and, and, and in service and so on. We, we want to cultivate the desire to just worship Lord Govinda without deviation, and especially in the association of the devotees. As Srila Narutam points out, and these beautiful prayers express with such humility. So engage in the nine limbs of bhakti in their company. And this will enlighten us with spiritual knowledge. This is what Srila Narutam says, by engaging in the nine limbs of bhakti in this company, this enlightens us uh, with spiritual knowledge. There's no greater method than this if we sincerely do this or even work toward doing this if we're not quite there. Maybe we're not quite there that we can do, you know, fully 100% all times, but that's what we're working towards and we should understand that's what we're working towards also. So Naratam, then he says, he won't take shelter of any demigod or demigodesses, and he will only speak about pure bhakti. We find so many philosophies and conceptions of life, so many philosophies and conceptions even of bhakti. Uh, so Sri Naratam says, uh, you know, they, they, they just cause a headache, actually. Um, so I, I, I always really liked, in relation to this, the, the con concluding verses of the first chapter of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So verses uh, 1145 and 1146. Uh, and they, they really tie in nicely with what Srila Narutam Das Thakur says here in terms of the different philosophies and conceptions uh, of the world and so on. So these verses say, Furthermore, it should be stated that even if one has just a little taste for the topic of bhakti, he can understand it. He who tries to understand bhakti by dry logic cannot understand it because logic is insubstantial. Concerning this topic, it is said by the ancient authorities, a person more skillful at logic can bring about a conclusion different from what was carefully proven previously by another skillful logician. And we, we find that all the time, right? Both in the mundane world, but also uh, sometimes amongst uh, beginners in bhakti, if you will. One logician beats another, one logician beats another. 
but one with a real taste, a real taste, one with even some taste, but if it's a real taste, it's not swayed. And so we want to follow that actual taste in bhakti, in the topics about the Lord. So Srila Narutam, he says, anything else causes a headache as they come from the pride of the conditioned soul, who of course is unable to surrender to Krishna. No one can understand everything about anything in this short lifetime. So it's better to waste as little time as possible in trying to understand Krishna to the fullest extent that we can. And to really understand him means he reveals his secrets through our sincere endeavor to serve him. So to engage in and become attached to the nine limbs of bhakti and to serve those devotees who are dear to him. Uh, and of course, especially Sri Guru. So Sri, there's a nice verse that expresses this mood also in, in this chapter I was speaking about in um, Sri Prabhupada Jeevan Amritam. Uh, so Sri Prabodhananda Saraswati, uh, you know, he's often, he has some very extreme verses sometimes, very beautiful verses, but extreme to, you know, uh, make these points in terms of, especially in regards to Lord Chaitanya. And so he, he says, the scriptures may say whatever they have to say in their various areas of jurisdiction, and the expert logicians may interpret them as they wish. But as far as I'm concerned, the sweet nectar of the lotus feet of Sri Chaitanya Chandra is my life and soul. So we want to develop a taste that gives us that conviction to continue onwards. And this journey starts with accepting the favorable and rejecting the unfavorable. So, I mean, so much more can be said on this. Of course, you know, I, I felt I was even kind of skimming over a lot of what Sri Narutam Das Thakur brings out because they're, they're ever deep. So, but I think I'll wrap this one up here, just looking at the time. But to conclude and summarize, uh, here are the verses by Srila Sridhar Maharaj as to the two limbs of Sharanagati that we were discussing today. So he says, everything should be done that encourages the service of Sri Krishna and his devotee. And whatever is conducive to the state of exclusive surrender must be executed. Such a firm conviction is called Anukulyasya Sankalpa, acceptance of the favorable. The principle to reject everything opposed to the service of the Lord and his devotee, and to similarly abstain from everything opposed to an attitude of surrender is known as Pratikulya Vivarjanam, rejection of the unfavorable. So, um, so yeah, so I think I'll, I'll leave it there for now. Um, and uh, yeah, if there are any thoughts, discussion, anything you'd like me to expand on or, or questions, please let me know and uh, um, happy to address them before we wrap up. Let's see if I can check the YouTube as well. So I just noticed there's a, a question on YouTube. Um, asking what the book book I, I was mentioning. So it's this book um, by Srila Bhakti Rakshak Sridhadev Goswami. It's called um, Sri Sri Prapana Jivanamritam. Uh, you can find it online also, but also the the um, English um, title is Life Nectar of the Surrendered Souls. And then it's also titled uh, Positive and Progressive Immortality. So you can see there. Um, it's like Sri Sri Prapanajivan Amritam at the top. And then uh, the, the translation of that, but then also positive and progressive immortality. And yeah, I highly recommend it. Agrumaraj was recommending it uh, when he was in North Carolina. 
Uh, and I've also heard, um, I think, I don't remember who, but someone in Sri Chaitanya Saraswatmath, uh, Srila Srila Maharaj's Math, would say that that's the only book you need, actually. <laughs> you know, sometimes different devotees say uh, about different books, this is the only book you need. And so in that Math, they were saying that this is this is the only book you need. And I can understand why uh, that that is the case after reading it, because of the moods expressed um, I, I, in terms of cultivating uh, Sharanagati. Um, yeah, it's, it's just wonderful. I, I can see why you'd want to read it again and again. I, I hope it is a book that I keep coming back to again and again and don't forget about because, yeah, even just to open it up and read one verse from there, it, it can be a great meditation also in how we approach our seva, our interaction with devotees and, and especially, you know, senior devotees and so on. Um, so, yeah, thanks for letting me clarify that. <laughs> Anyone else?